8 o'clock on a Tuesday. Alfred Bruff, Sportsnet 650. You know what that music means. Thomas Drance is going to join us in just a moment here. On the program, before we get to him, I need to tell you a couple things. One, Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Two, hour three of this program, program, if you will. That's how they say it in Waterloo. Uh, hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. You can do so by visiting them on the internet, campbell-pound.com today. Phone lines, Drance, Bruff, Halford, go. What up, Drance, or how are you, bud? Doing well, boys. How are you? Okay. Uh, it's it's a weird time, I'm not going to lie, because we're excited about the World Cup and all the new interesting stories that we're being subjected to. And, you know, it's unique. You've never really seen it before. And different venues and Qatar and all these new teams and Canada being there. And then there's the Canucks. They're doing the same old thing, blowing multi-goal leads. <laughs> Yeah, they are. Uh, you know what? I didn't feel like this was – it's it's not like they ended a period at any point with a two-goal lead. At no point did they get to sit on it. No. You know, I mean, immediately Vegas made it 4-3. Uh, the thing about the blowing leads thing is, for the most part, in these games, I mean, whether it was the season opener or on and on, like they, they were so widely outplayed and outchanced and throttled by Vegas all night, that when they had the two-goal lead, it was a surprise. Sure. You know, it's not like they were full value for gaining that lead at any point. So you can focus on, yeah, oh, man, oh, boy, they, they really can't hold the lead. And they can't. But they also were just so far and away the inferior team, both in, both in execution and, and the talent level on the ice, that – you know, as Vegas churned that game back in their favor, there wasn't a ton of suspense. I, I mean, the suspense came from, like, weirdness, like a, a camera hole malfunction <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that took a goal off the board. You know, Alex Pietrangelo scores that winner, and he's completely untouched. You know, I mean, it was, it was George Kittle waltzing into the <laughs> end zone level defending from Vancouver. Last night, you know, I, I mean, the Arizona Car- Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, no, I know exactly we, we, which we one you're it. talking about. Yeah, and uh, and the Canucks on that goal. Like, if you watch the highlight, one of the worst things for me, all the Vegas players are like upright. Like, there's not even a sign of strain, <laughs> yeah. as they just you know vivisect the Canucks defensive structure. Uh, Alex Pietrangelo right in front, and then you know, I mean. Do you want Demko to have that? Sure. Do you want to give Alex Pietrangelo a glorious opportunity with no one within three feet of him from the low slot? Oh, man. I mean, just ugly. Yeah. Um, were you in attendance last night or were you watching from home? I was. I was there. Okay. So you didn't see the broadcast, but I've mentioned this a few times. And I know it was a really small snippet in the broadcast. And I know it could be taken out of context. A million things could be happening. But when Mark Stone scored the aforementioned camera well slash debris goal, sure. uh, the, ca- the Sportsnet camera guys panned to uh, Jim Rutherford, Patrick Alvin, and Emily Castonge in their suite. Yeah. And rather- I did see this. You did see it. Yeah. And again, yeah. I want to be very careful with this because you can't just you can't infer what someone was doing when they just simply walked away. But given the timing and what had just transpired, it's fair to suggest that there might have been some frustration on the parts of the executive, <laughs> given that they blew yet another multi-goal lead. Um, 
Yeah, and, I've got to ask around, but it certainly looked like disgust. Either way, it just leads me back to the same thing. Like, it just can't keep going the same way, even if the results maybe end up the same way by a different process. It's still leads blown, team losing, coach frustrated, players frustrated. And at a certain point, there is going to be a breaking point, I think. <laughs> yeah, you, you would think. Um, you know, this is the third year in a row, though, right? I mean, this is like the as predictable as it gets. We've seen this movie before, every time, every year. Um, I've broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. I broke a while ago. <laughs> in terms of believing in this club as a as a playoff team on the rise, me too, right? Uh, I, you know, but uh, but the organization has kept this group together. Uh, the defense wasn't upgraded. You know, I I thought like, you know, I think what's frustrating for me is I'm watching this Vegas team, and that Eichel Stevenson stone line. I mean, that was that was that was why they won. Yeah. Right. Like that was why they won. They were inevitable last night. And, you know, I think they've given Vegas a new gear, right? Like Jack Eichel picked the Canucks apart and, and he didn't do it the way he used to do it. You know, I, I used to love watching Jack Eichel in Buffalo um, when, when they play against uh, Florida, even though Barkov traditionally ate his lunch because he was just so physical and assertive and he's kind of not quite as electrifying as a puck carrier these days. But his head for the game, especially offensively, like he, he picked the Canucks apart. He had that game on a string last night. And, you know, it's not it wasn't a coincidence to me, like the camera wall goal and then the game winner coming in quick succession. Like the Canucks had zero answer for that line. Right. Bruce Boudreaux's changing up the Miller Horvat group. Um, you know, OEL and Ethan Bear were just completely uh, flummoxed in their own zone the whole game. No answers. Like, um, there was no answers. So, you know, we can talk about structure. We can talk about goaltending. We can talk about whatever we want. At the end of the day, there's two things that really made the difference in that game. And one is Jack Eichel won it. The Canucks lost it. And two is somehow Vegas keeps churning and changing what they're doing. Right? Like, they're the perfect example of how winning in the NHL is not a passive activity. Right. They're 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 always upgrading. They're always aggressive. And like, how are you ever going to compete with the best teams in the league running this same disappointing group back three times with like, you know, nothing significant ever changing around this group? You know, like they're, they're rearranging deck chairs, they're rearranging supporting pieces. Too often those supporting pieces are overpriced veterans and the really good teams in this league. They're changing who they are. I mean, that to me is the most frustrating part. Drancer, uh, so yesterday, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday when we came in. We talked about um, the report over the weekend that the Canucks were discussing a trade with Ottawa. It would be Zaitsev for Myers. And Mike and I were talking about this and going, why would they do this right now and not wait until the bonus was paid to Tyler Myers and then they could actually get a pretty good asset, in theory, an asset mm -hmm. back for Tyler Myers after that bonus was paid out. Um, I noticed you wrote an article uh, for The Athletic, why it doesn't make sense to trade Tyler Myers right now. Um, I, I admit I have not read that article, but was your line of thinking the same as mine or was there something different there? 
Yeah, no, that's the line of thinking. And then, of course, I talked to Myers about it at length in the piece as well. Um, you know, he he made some calls after he saw the news. <laughs> he, he he's trying to keep as focused as he can on the on the day to day, and that's that's the thrust of the piece. And yeah, I mean, I'd be deeply like I think if that happens, if they make the trade prior to the bonus being paid, you know, I think that's really concerning for me. That would be really concerning from a process standpoint, and you know, it would pile on to the club not exercising their option on Bruce Boudreaux, which contained a balloon payment, right? Uh, the Jason Dickinson trade, which saves far, like the savings were far more valuable from a cash perspective than a cap perspective. The fact that the Abbotsford Canucks are not nearly as veteran laden or expensive this year. Um, you know, you, you trade Myers to duck the bonus and lose hockey value in the process for a team that really can't afford to lose any more hockey value. Uh, you know, that, that all points in one direction. And to me, just sort of makes the hill that this team's going to have to climb steeper, scarier. We're speaking to Thomas Drance from The Athletic and Canuckstock here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Drancer, how much trepidation do you have with the Canucks going into this three-game swing through Colorado, defending Stanley Cup champs on Wednesday night in Denver? then Saturday in Vegas, and then a quick turnaround Sunday. Not a good Sharks team, but a Sharks team that has won 4-6, and it's going to be tough on the second of a back-to-back. For me, I remember last year the Canucks going on a kind of a similar trip where it went through Vegas, Colorado, and then Anaheim to finish. Yep. And it was very near the end of the Travis Green era, although he did get a couple weeks after that. But they got <laughs> thoroughly outplayed on the road, and it looked like a team that was tapped. And, you know, the executive finally made a decision a couple weeks later to make that decision. But uh, I, I look at this one coming up in light of what just happened and what's on the horizon, and I'd be very concerned with a team that's this fragile and, quite frankly, not playing this well and not having good goaltending. Be very concerned with this upcoming three-game swing. Yeah, you know, when, when the schedule first came out, I looked at these three games and thought this is going to be a measuring stick time. Like, this is when we're going to find out who this team is in a pretty credible way. And I don't think we need a measuring stick at this point. I think we know who this team is. You know, like, I don't think this three games, you know, it's fraught with danger. You're right. There should be some trepidation. But I don't think we need to see the outcome of these three games to know what this team is, right? Like this team has frankly significantly underperformed my low expectations, right? And I had low expectations, certainly relative to the majority of the market and and relative to most public analysts and even the model, even the models, right? Like um, uh, for this team and they've been significantly worse than I thought they'd be Uh, Mm -hmm. five on five looks like it's durably worse. Uh, I don't even buy this team as like a high-end offense. I know they're scoring a lot, but they've been extraordinarily lucky in terms of their finishing game. I think this is a middling offensive team with a really good power play. I'm not seeing the regular sustained push at 5-on-5. In in fact, this team's form 5-on-5 is way worse than I would have guessed. I thought they were going to be close to a neutral 5-on-5 team. I think they're far closer to a bottom 5-on-5 team uh, through you know 20 games. And, And we'll see if that trend continues for another 10 at which point it probably becomes pretty revealing of true talent once you've played about a thousand five on five minutes which the Canucks are uh, approaching you know then you kind of know who a group is and and right now you know this team is not controlling anything like they are not even coming out even they are getting beat night after night um 
you know, at some point, if you need your goaltender to be your best player every night, right? If you need your power play to score t- twice every game just to win, uh, you're not good. You're not good. Like, look around the league. Look around the league and look at all the problems that some of these teams are having that still have way better records than the Vancouver Canucks. You know, I want to bring up Toronto because it's Jason Bruff's favorite team. But it's like Austin Matthews is converting on like a quarter, like a a quarter of the shots relative to his career shooting percentage, right? They've had three top four defensemen go down with injury for some length of time at some point and they're on their third goaltender. Yeah. And everyone in Toronto thinks the team's bad. And they're, what, 10-5-5? Five, five? Yeah. They got 3-0-2 you know three, oh, in mean, their last five, yeah. I mean, Florida loses Aaron Ekblad for weeks on end, right? And and have a brewing goaltending controversy because Sergei Bobrovsky hasn't been very good and Spencer Knight has been. And, you know, one of the best teams in the league again, right? Colorado started the season terribly. They had three defensemen on the power play. Uh, they haven't gotten going offensively at all guess what? One of the best teams in the league. Like if you need everything to be going your way just to be respectable, you're not respectable. And that's where the Canucks are. They don't have a baseline. They don't have a baseline form that allows them to overcome bounces or poor performances or hold leads. Um, it's so far from good enough. It's so, and so what, what, I mean, what are we going to learn from this next three games? Like we know, we know. Yeah. We have to know now. Three years of this, right? Three years of this team struggling out of the gate. Three years of this team getting patted on the head. And, and you know, we're at the point, like, the moment Vancouver took the two-goal lead, Vegas got serious for <laughs> ten minutes. Yeah. And that's all it took. Like, that, that's what's happening. Teams aren't even taking this Canucks team seriously. They know they, they're going to win. So they know he, they're going to win. Yeah, here's, here's you're illustrating something that I've noticed more and more. And it's a very dangerous thing for essentially every stakeholder in this team and organization. Like someone just texted in, uh, Luke in Abbotsford, what we learned. I started writing a text about the Canucks problems. Then I stopped and thought, why am I doing this? Who cares? So you're getting this instead. That's from Luke in Abbotsford. And I can hear it in your voice, correct me if I'm wrong, where it's almost getting tiring and frustrating pointing out the same thing over and over again. And saying, like, it doesn't really matter what happens on this three-game road trip because we know what this team is. And there's a fan base that's kind of saying, yeah, we're starting to see that too. You know, the 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 losses happen in slightly different ways, and there's, <laughs> there's a different permutation. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's, it's like they're just no not – No one's good. even mad at me anymore, Mike. Yeah, well, I, well, there was there's one or we're, two. We're we're still kind of mad at you, just <laughs> yeah. just not for your hockey takes, just but in you, general. But you get what, you get what I'm saying. I'm, I'm sure you feel it. I can hear it in your voice. It's like, yeah, I'm about to say the same thing I've been saying for an awfully long. You time. You sound resigned. Yeah, and I think the question we all have is, when will the organization shift uh, its focus to pecking away at the roster? Jim Rutherford's words, not ours. Yeah. To taking a bulldozer to this roster and making some decisive. Uh, ground shifting moves. Yeah, I mean, one would hope soon, and and you know you you'd hope that like. So the thing, the thing, my view, and I, I mean, I said this last week, but I'm going to keep repeating it, right? Yep. This is a multi-year project, not to build this team up to a point where it's good, but to build this team up to a point where it's different, right? They've unfortunately tied themselves into such, you know, they're such a Gulliver it up on the ground that it's going to be a multi-year project simply to begin 
to dismantle this team, right? Like it's going to take years just to dismantle this team. And that to me is the task at hand now. Like everything else is noise or doesn't matter. You know, honestly, results, how they do on this upcoming road trip, all of it doesn't matter. All that matters is do they get it right in beginning to undo, unmake this team, right? It's not a, it's not a build. It's not a rebuild. It's not a retool. It's a demolition project. It's like, are you able to strategically unmake this team in a way that benefits the group, that sets the, sets the table for what can be built on top of it thereafter? And, you know, that's why the Myers thing troubles me. The Myers report troubles me because that's not the first move. It's just not, right? You know, one of the expiring guys going, like if it's a, it's a, if it's a Shen, if it's a Horvat, you know, that makes sense to me as a first move, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then you turn your attention to the big ticket items, the really old guys that are signed for longer, really old guys. I'm talking about a 29 year old and a 31 year old, right. but like re- relative to this league, right. Then, then it becomes about that. Um, the guys with two years left, three years left, your, your, you know, Myers, Pearson, Garland, Besser class. Those to me are far less pressing. In fact, those are guys whose value will spike the less term they have on their deals. You literally just create hockey value by holding them. And that's where I think this organization has to be like, has to go. Like this isn't a hockey team anymore. It's a collection of assets that don't fit Mm. that need to be sent along for maximum value. That's the task at hand for the next 18 months. And it sucks. It's really not a fun spot to be. It is not. But, but you know, if the team at least seems aligned, if there's a plan that's being executed, if you know that at least they're going to play hard, fans will get behind it. Like fans will be able to support that far more easily than they'll be able to support this. It's just about having, you know, a basic level of courage to go and do what needs to be done to create, you know, honestly, not even create to salvage a decade that looks like it could be extraordinarily painful without dramatic action. That's it. Like, that's, that's all that matters at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, I am a little resigned because, to me, this is clear. This is obvious. Like, this is obvious stuff now. Yep. Right? This isn't, this isn't, man, what a hot take from Drance. Like, I'm not ready to go there yet. This is obvious. This is obvious. If you're paying attention, you know this. Yep. You know this bone deep, whether you agree with it or not, whether you're willing to say it or not. You know this. This is it. This is the way. This is what has to happen now. Are Petey and Hughes Hughes necessarily part of the future in Vancouver? Uh, Look, I'm open to it, but I, but I think the idea that it's, you know, uh, that that's a third rail, something you can't suggest they might need to do. I mean, I think that's ignoring just how dire the situation is. You know, it's not the first move you make, right? Again, I don't think in the act of demolition that those are moves you make lightly. They're still young enough that you'd certainly hope that at the very least they can be, you know, the part of the next great Canucks team. But are they going to be the best players on the next great Canucks team, or are they going to be twenty-seven and twenty-eight? Yeah. By the time you're you're really ready to compete again. I've actually been wondered if I've been Drancer. I've been wondering if PD himself could be the catalyst to this move. Either him going, "Hey guys, what's going on right here?" This has to change, or I'm not signing. And if and if he doesn't sign, then he's going to force his way out, and they're going to have to trade him and maybe recon. I just think that 
with this with the potential for him to sign an extension this offseason that could be the thing that forces the Canucks hands because it's probably not going to be you know you or the fans or the media that's going to force the direction of the group with all due respect to our opinions that I don't think they mean much to the Canucks if they did they would have done something a lot differently a long time ago <laughs> it could be the players themselves that go hey I don't want to be part of this anymore. What you guys are doing isn't working, and I want to be on a winning team. You know, it's very possible. I think the, you know, from my perspective, without speculating on uh, exactly what's going on in, in Patterson's mind beyond uh, the fact that I picked it, you know, <laughs> I picked it as saves yesterday after his availability was done. I was just like, what's going on, man? Like, were you trying to channel an NHL goalie? It's like, no, I was thinking about soccer. <laughs> Apparently, PD was a soccer goalie, and uh, <laughs> used that to his advantage in in reading the Jack Eichel pass. But uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know what's going on in his mind. Um, you know, hockey players tend to be wired very differently from you and me. If I were in those in that position, right? I mean, I I would be beyond frustrated. But uh, but that's not enough for me to sort of suggest that it's going to go one way or the other. What what I will say is, you know, one difference. And a key difference between, for example, what I saw in Florida, where that team had a really good elite young core, right? And three years I was down there, they missed the playoffs each and every season. And, you know, only once got close and missed the playoffs a fourth year after I left and thereafter, (laughs) excuse me, and thereafter became an absolute wagon. The big difference there is, you know, Barkov, Huberto, Ekblad, Trocek were all signed long-term. They had cost certainty, right? They were able to keep tweaking around that core group. That's something the Canucks don't have, right? So it's not just Petey for me. It's also Bo Horvat, right? Bo Horvat's facing a decision there too. Uh, This club's not going to get better (laughs) without Bo Horvat, who has 15 goals already on the roster. And as those two decisions come down, and they could come down a lot quicker than people realize, uh, the way that RFA works, like the, the Kachuk template can be accelerated by a year if you really were motivated to do so. But those decisions are going to dramatically impact what this Canucks core looks like. So, you know, they, they have more cost certainty than you'd like in terms of their supporting pieces and less than you'd like in terms of their core pieces. And that also could, you're right, accelerate the timeline at which you know, this organization has to look at blowing it up. You know, it's the other thing that I kind of coming into clear focus for me now. I mentioned this once already this morning is that this is shaping up to be a fairly, fairly big waste of a good Elias Pettersson year on the 7.35 million. Oh, God. Right. Like you look oh, at it. Man. I didn't really. He's tied for the NHL lead in goals at even strength. He hasn't scored a single goal in the power play. It's all 10. At evens, like he's, he's been so good, he's been really even great. Well, and so it, and you look well, at it, and you're like, where's your value? Gonna, Jason always says this. Where are the value going to be? Value is getting a, a career Pedersen year at seven point three five million, but it's coming in. Do, <laughs> do you the, think he's going to ask for a raise? Yeah, like do, do you think he'd be like, I just you know what? Give me the seven three five again, and everyone's happy, right? Like, that's that's frustrating too. As if we needed another frustration to throw on the pile. I'm like, great. He's, he's on pace to score. It's got to be over 90 at this point, right? He's got 23 points in 19 games. So he's having a well, great year. And it's like, yeah, and it's going to happen when they're going to be out of the playoff chase in January. Or maybe man. they play their back, way back into it in February. I don't know. But it's, Your answer. It's we're, out, we're out of time, buddy. I'm sure you're on the radio again at some point. Today, on the yeah, station. I, I, 
I just, you know, they need to, they need to at least make Petey the matchup guy right now mm-hmm. while he's rolling like this. Yeah. You know, I don't want to see Jack Eichel pick his teeth with JT Miller and Bo Horvat while mm-hmm. Patterson's dominating uh, five on five. And then just one last thing is the waste that we're seeing with, you know, Pedersen and Horvat playing like this and this team still being what six, 10 and three. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to fathom, but the seeds for it were planted like five years ago. You know, at this point, at this point, it's time to look ahead and make sure that five years from now, we're yeah. not talking the same way about this team. Plant different seeds. Mm-hmm. Plant different seeds. Different, different Do seeds, better seeds. Right. Some sort of magic bean, perhaps. Yeah. You could go with that. Anyway, Drancer, <laughs> thanks, bud. We appreciate it. Cheers, boys. Bye. See you. Bye. Uh, Thomas Drance from The Athletic Vancouver and the Canucks Hour right here, or Canucks Talk, sorry, right here on Sportsnet 650. I like this text. It sounds like Drance was the issue in Florida. Yeah, they never made the playoffs when Drance was there. And now they can't miss. Yeah, now it comes to Vancouver. Can't Canucks make can't make the playoffs. Sounds yeah, like Drance is the issue. Drance or Jinx. Bit yeah. of a negative guy, yeah. let's be honest. Uh, I 100% agree with all he says. Yeah, uh, text in your What We Learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650. 650. We got one final segment to go this morning on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always death. 8.32 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. A-Dog's just grooving along there. There's a sax solo in this song. It says it comes at 56 seconds, so I'm eagerly anticipating. Let it ride. Let it ride. Halford and Bruff of the morning is also brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. You can do so by visiting them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Sportsnet 650 is the radio station. You're listening to it right now. Uh, it's time for What We Learns. I just want to remind everyone that we're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Here's the aforementioned sax solo. All right, I'm going to start our what we learned. Back in the day, play the trumpet. Pay attention. For once in your life, pay attention to my. I knew it was some sort of horn. To some acclaim, remember. Pay attention. The trumpetist. There was no acclaim. He just got to play the trumpet because he wanted to play the bassoon, but they were all taken. Yeah, no, I wasn't. Uh, listen, once in a while, just in your life, st- listen to this. Listen I to this. Stories. What I learned is that the Leafs' blue line crisis is even worse now. Morgan Riley, the Leafs announced this morning that he is on LTIR with a knee injury. That means he's out a minimum of 10 games uh, and or 24 days. Uh, Drager is reporting that it's uh, a grade one or two MCL injury. I don't even know what that means, but he is expecting a four to six week recovery period for Morgan Riley. So no, nothing season threatening for Morgan Riley, but I do wonder if the Leafs are going to do anything on the blue line because they're missing, I think, pretty much everyone. Right now, mm-hmm. everyone. everyone. Everyone is All out of them. on the Leafs. Give me a moo cow on that. Well, although we moo cowed, it's going to be in the same topic of conversation. 
uh, as it pertains to trades and NHL clubs. That is because, courtesy of our good buddy Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff, we have our very first, Jason, trade targets board for the 2022-2023 season. This is a bit of a an annual rite of passage for Frank and Daily Faceoff putting these together. But the first is always the important one. And this year, the number one trade target on this year's trade target board is... Vancouver Canucks center and captain, Bo Horvath. I don't know why I got so excited. Never do that again. (laughs) You just did it. (laughs) What, what? Number one on the trade target board. Number two is Patrick Kane. Number three is Jonathan Taves. Four is Jacob Chikrin. We have a bull. Uh, Four is Jacob Chikrin, the first defenseman on the board. And five, the second defenseman on the board, John Klingberg. But yeah. Given uh, the landscape, and I don't need to go into great deal what the landscape is, Bo Horvat is unsurprisingly number one on that trade target board. Are you, um, are you, have you already mentally got there, given how bad the season is and how you wrote off this team a while ago and how despondent and kind of apathetic you are that the next, <laughs> how depressed you are, the next, the next <laughs> level of depression is watching Bo Horvat have to leave in the midst of a, a, a career year goal scoring. I'm 90% there, but there's a, there's, there's some part of me that knows how the Canucks have operated in the past. And they're just kind of like, Hey, that guy's a good player. We should try and keep him. Mm-hmm. Right. They did it with JT Miller without, I guess, any consideration about his age going forward. Maybe they considered it, but they ultimately decided to keep him. Um, they have said over and over that they their intention is to keep Bo Horvat. I guess what I'm wondering more and more now is if it's not so much a Canucks decision as a Bo Horvat decision, does he want to keep playing for the Vancouver Canucks? Mm-hmm. Which is a hell of a thing to wonder about the captain of the hockey team. And, and I really don't want to put words in Horvat's mouth. But I'll do it anyway. No, but most most people that we... So we've uh, I asked IMAC that question, and he said, I every reason to believe that Horvat still wants to be a Canuck. And then this is just in a negotiation about how much money are we going to pay you, mm-hmm. right? I want more. <laughs> We're offering you less, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I've come to the uh, conclusion that Horvat probably won't be back. With the Wonder Canucks next season, go. but I'll but, be happy for him but when he gets to go somewhere. But good. okay, but what but. if the Canucks trade Miller instead? That's fine. You can still trade him. No, trade but everybody. when the, when they be more likely to bring back Horvat if nah. they did that? Okay, Just, everyone's got to go. <laughs> hey, come on. They shouldn't be doubling down on anything with this roster. I don't think so, but I'm just saying that that's the way they've operated. Right? I know, but they shouldn't. That's what I'm saying. I, I one, I don't think they're going to trade Miller. Two. Uh, I think it, the logical first step here, and again, I'm using logical in the sense of not Canucks, just logical for the earth, not this club, but the earth. Logical is you have an expiring unrestricted free agent. You don't need to spend more money on UFA years. I know he's your captain and everything, but you're going to get the return. That you Here's prob- some more logic. If they trade Horvat, they're screwed down the middle. Yeah, but they're screwed already. They have, yeah, they, I know ten, they are, but they, they don't think that way. They don't think that way. I think if we and frankly, I don't think we're in line. We're in line with how this organization has been thinking. And and some of the times when I'm chatting with Drance, especially, mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of like, yeah, this is this is great that we think this, and so many fans think this, and so many members of the media think this. But all that really matters is what the organization thinks. And frankly, I'll be honest with you right now, I have no idea what they're thinking about this team. 
Yeah, maybe we need to get more clout as a like an entity, you and I. You watched the Mike and the Mad Dog documentary, the 30 for 30? Did they have clout over the, Do you the decisions that were made? They said that they felt like they single-handedly got the Mets to sign Piazza. <laughs> and then the Mets kind of were like, yeah, they kind of did. Right? They're, they just kept bringing it up. They're like, Piazza's going to be a free agent. You got to go sign him. Rutherford operates out of spite, does everything the exact opposite of you guys. What, either way, like, I can play that game. <laughs> I hate those guys. Yeah. Does does Drance have, like, reverse clout then? <laughs> like, right, everything like, yeah. that Drance says, they do the complete opposite? Like, just I, because I, they're like, you know what? I don't like that guy. Yeah. I'm just going to just keep doing the All opposite. All right, don't sign me. <laughs> Rutherford's like, hmm. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Homer with the card. Do yeah. the opposite of what yeah, the Yeah, it's going to become a real chess match soon if, if, if Drance has to use reverse psychology curse that card dad don't give me the card all right here you go. no see that's what i'm saying is we need to talk some of this stuff into existence yeah not yeah. totally i mean and at the very least we'll have a different avenue or venue for entertainment i'm using that term loosely as it pertains to the local all hockey right. squadron let's go to the listeners matrix, here dot matrix dot matrix dot matrix uh what we learned the, the canucks need <laughs> the first that's the cow what we learned, the Canucks need Jacob Chikrin. Cap hit, age perfect, looked great in his first game back yesterday. Uh, yeah, what are the, how are they going to get Jacob Chikrin? Will you take a Stillman? <laughs> like, honestly, I, I appreciate that they do. Yeah, they do. They need more good young defensemen. The problem is, is what assets are they going to use to they get no Jacob assets. Chikrin? They're not making a trade. Are they going to trade another first-round draft pick? Yeah. God, probably. No, you... Bo no, Horvat? That's no. not going to get it done. He's a rental. Yeah. Do you think Horvat's going to be like, oh, yeah, and I want to sign a long-term extension in Arizona. That sounds amazing. It's so relaxing there. It's did so nice. See, did you see the Coyotes are in the midst of their dad's trip? Oh, no. I, I was working out a bunch of material about how... Are they the, staying at a Howard Johnson? Yeah, the dads had to use all their air miles to get there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, dang it. Can you do one real quick? To watch yeah, their kid play in a rink that's smaller than the one go. they watched him play in junior, too. I got it. Never mind. No, no, no. I'm doing this because you made a mistake earlier, and the whole group made a mistake. And frankly, I'm mostly upset with Andy because he calls himself a musician. And Christopher, stuck in traffic, texted this in. What we learned, you guys don't know your band instruments. The saxophone is a reed, not a horn. Yeah, the saxophone is. is a reed instrument like a clarinet. Yes, right? it is. A I... And a trumpet is like a, your your trombone. It's a, oh. it's a horn. Yeah, but that's what I, I said, the bassoon. I said, which just, is a, which is a reed instrument. I said, you, you just, blow it, it's a horn. Come on. Right? Yeah, that's true. No reed Come instruments on. and horns. That's are a, very that's different. That's a really. You know what? That that is the musical take of this is all Demko's fault. <laughs> that's like you saying a goalie that. is a Congratulations. defenseman. Oh, you oh, see the goalie. He's just like the defenseman. Same thing. Flute, horn, recorder, horn, kazoo. They all belong to the horn family. <laughs> very good, sir. <laughs> you get a gold star. <laughs> I know music. Dustin the Joker. Someone dropped this earlier in the show. Halford be watching someone playing the flute, and he'll be like, yeah, blow that horn. Yeah. Play me some <laughs> of that. Out of your mind? <laughs> Play me some of that flute jazz. Uh, Dustin the Joker, hashtag WWO, what we learned. I've learned that we finally have a nickname for giving up a lead in hockey. Used in a sentence correctly, the hockey team was leading, and then they canucked. Yes. I don't know if it's. Ruff said canucked. Yeah, you put the S in. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Canucks it. Yeah, Canucks it. Yeah, Canuck yeah, yeah. yeah, with the S or without, it still remains. That is now Actually, the terminology. You, you might be able to like Canucks XT on the end. Right. Yeah. That you makes know? it sound like they have some sort of We should of, like, try to see if Rutherford will use that in a sentence. Canucks XT sounds like the crypto thing that the Canucks are gonna unveil <laughs> to keep people interested. <laughs> Just in, in time for this crypto craze. <laughs> Guys. Uh, yeah, they, well, I'm not even, I don't think they'll release their own line of crypto, but 
Um, someone no, no, else no, text- no, we can ask it. No, no. <laughs> someone else texted in. Oh, here it is. Austin and Langley. Hashtag WWL, what we learned. Uh, Connor Bedard is selling out stadiums everywhere he goes, while the Canucks play for like 60 to 70% capacity. Uh, I wanted to bring That's this up. That's not true, though. Because that is wrong. Yeah, the rink has been pretty full. That is one of the fundamental issues right now, if, yep. if I want to speak candidly about this, is the apathy has not in any way, shape, or form translated to attendance figures. The Canucks are playing to 99.8% capacity mm-hmm. right now. And it's 18,000 plus every night at Rogers Arena. And the rink was hopping on Friday. People were having a good time. So, I, you know, if you want to talk about the big picture, the impetus being, you know, you're, you're paying fan base not paying out the money anymore. That's just not the case. And I'm not saying to become apathetic. I'm not suggesting that you don't go to games. Fill your boots. Do what you want. But the reality of it is is that the product for a lot of people is inferior right now. But there's no correlation between an inferior product and people not showing up to patronize it. You know how you fill a stadium? Connor Bedard. That's how you fill a stadium. Well, they're already filling the stadium, though. That's a thing, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, and this is with outrageous concession prices and expensive everything. And we're in the middle of like inflationary times. Inflationary word? Inflationary. T- stop right now before you start talking about the economy. In- and get no, out but, of your, but, but inflation know. is a real thing and people are having a hard time making ends yeah, meet. And the economy is either in a recession or tipping into one. And the only reason that I bring this up is that everything would point towards people cutting that part of the entertainment budget out. Yeah. Or Cer- quite the, frankly, any budget. The Serb money is starting to run out. Right? You can yes. only, <laughs> <laughs> you only stay home for so long, you know? Like, cri- crypto investments are going down the toilet. So uh, this is what I'm saying. Uh, Doug from Salmon Arm, what we learned, I learned that Wales has a very aggressive national anthem. That was a stirring moment when Wales and their supporters that, yeah. were singing the national anthem, um, especially after the Americans kind of just yeah, it was. Yeah, they sang a little bit, but the the Welsh players were really into it. And why not? This is a country that has not been to the World Cup since the fifties. We talked about this yesterday. The last time they were in the World Cup, they were eliminated on a goal by a teenaged Pele. Uh, Nineteen fifty-eight. I think I said fifty-six yesterday, but fifty-eight. Also, um, as much as I don't like to promote the work of quite frankly, competing websites and everything. Uh, Chris Jones is freelancing for the CBC right now, and he's writing from Qatar on a near-daily basis. He's you, you should go read what he's putting out. So he did one yesterday. Good tie-in talking about the Canadian team. And he's like, you think the Canadian drought was long? Yeah. Uh, try being Welsh because mm-hmm. they haven't been to a World Cup in 50-plus years. They're probably sitting there like even Scotland's qualifying for these World Cups once in a while, I and they're every- right next to England. But and- I think everybody from the Isles have, if I'm not mistaken, Northern Ireland, Ireland, England, obviously, Scotland, mm-hmm. like Wales. That drought was – it's almost impossible to comprehend because – Wales went to Euro in 2016, which is actually at times a more difficult tournament to qualify for and do well in. And they had that that Cinderella run where Gareth Bale got them all the way to the quarterfinals mm-hmm. that year. But it's like at the World Cup, they just haven't been able to make it. So go read that piece. It's actually a pretty good comparison. How many people are in Wales? I have it right here. I have uh, it if I had to guess, yeah. five million. Less. How much? 3.1 million people. Yeah, it's tiny, right? I mean, Qatar... Well, Qatar's demographics are off because there's so many... Uh, four nationals living there. There's a lot yeah. of people that have moved recently, but there are 2.9 million. I want to say someone texted in earlier the show and they said, "Why does um, 
why do England, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland all play separately at things like the Rugby World Cup and the Soccer World Cup, but then they're together for the Olympics? Yeah. I think we've talked about this before. We don't know the exact answer, but I would imagine that just history plays a large part in this. Like Wales and England and Scotland and to, I guess, a lesser degree, Northern Ireland, they just have this long-standing tradition of mm-hmm. playing each other in, you know, rugby's got the, what is it, six nations now? It used to be five nations. Uh, probably used to be, I don't know, four nations, and that included Ireland as well. They just have this history of, of, of playing these matches, and they have their own separate federations. Like there's, you know, obviously the 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 FA, which is the English Federation, and then you've got the Scottish and the Welsh and the and, and the Irish, and they don't want to come together for the World Cup. They want to compete against each other in the World Cup. So here's how we're just to confuse it even further. The United Kingdom is one country of four distinct countries. Right? So it's yeah. England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Right. But then Great Britain <laughs> is only the island of Great Britain, and that's only England, Scotland, and Wales. So Northern Ireland, has does it have its own separate Olympic team? Yes. Or they, do they compete actually with Ireland? Because if you go as Great Britain, mm-hmm. then you're only the three. Okay. Right. Like the Team GB, they're always but talking Team GB, about. Team yeah. GB, yeah. But UK means, includes Northern Ireland. Correct. But the UK doesn't really compete as anything. It's very confusing. It's very good. You learn so much. It's like the World Dutch, Cup. Netherlands, Holland thing. Like, I always get, like... It's nothing like that. It's absolutely not <laughs> no, I always nothing get, like uh, that at all. Know, those are British, all the same thing. I know, but I'm saying I always get those confused because they're the same thing, but I think they're different things. <laughs> and the British and the idiot. Irish and all of them just get together and just, just come together as one. What's holding them back? One, come on, guys. I could not think of a less apt comparison. <laughs> Two, thank you for just glomming it all together. <laughs> just a bunch of guys with bad teeth drinking yeah, pints. It's like how the, the Netherlands and Holland and the Dutch, the, the, it's, it's like that. They're all the same thing. Nothing like that at all. But they're all the same thing, right? Why did you get granted three names? That doesn't make sense. Exactly. I enjoyed the comparisons that uh, Mexico drew to hockey teams in the Dunbar Lumber Text line. And we were talking about Mexico um, has been eliminated in seven straight round of 16s. So in the World Cup, they've gotten through the group stages seven straight times. And then when they get into the round of 16, they get eliminated seven straight times. So Liam and Calgary, what we learned, I learned that Mexico is the Toronto Maple Leafs of World Cup soccer, years of being good, just to be kicked out in the round of 16. There was someone else who texted in and said, oh, this is Tommy, what we learned. Mexico is the Minnesota wild of soccer, good enough to make it, not good enough to win it. Wild is probably the more appropriate of the two. Uh, But we had this conversation before. The hockey to soccer comparisons, they don't really work, especially in the context of the sad club. Remember, we were trying to – what's the sad club of soccer? It was too difficult. There's too many trophies to win. Who did we ultimately determine was the well, sad Mexico, club? Well, Mexico. Mexico, yeah. But Mexico, if theoretically, uh, they win their region's championship all the time. Yeah, but nobody cares about that. I know, but it's so, all so – the the, That's the president's trophy. Who are the yeah, Canucks of the World Cup? Kind of. There's oh, not. We just came up with it. This yeah, is, we determined that was maybe Mexico. And by Mexico. the way, these oh, conversations are staunch. This is like open wide for some soccer, like very American style mm-hmm. soccer coverage. Is when like they had the starting eleven of awesome American athletes that could play for in the World Cup, and it was like you have LeBron playing striker, and you know Aaron Rodgers in the center mid throwing passes, and everyone was like, "Come on, don't do this!" Right? But oftentimes, 
when you're trying to, and I think especially now, there's probably a lot of people watching the World Cup that have never watched a second of soccer before, but they're doing it because Canada's in, and it's an intriguing team. So you have to try and come up with those comparisons. It's the only, it's, it's the only normal thing to do. Mm-hmm. And people are genuinely curious and everything, but it is very difficult to do because the field of competition is so fundamentally different than the NHL, right? Like the NHL, it's the playoff. The regular season doesn't mean anything. All you got to do is get to the playoffs. And then the Stanley Cup means everything, yeah. right? So there's one ultimate grail. Um, for a lot of European countries especially, Euro has significant value and meaning. You're the champions of Europe. It means something. And that, and that, it's not on par with the World Cup, but it's pretty damn close to a lot of people. Jay from Delta, what we learned, Saudi Arabia's king has declared tomorrow a public holiday in Saudi Arabia after their win over Argentina. If Canada wins against Belgium, maybe we will get a public holiday. I think we should get one if Canada beats Belgium. Should get a whole week. I'm sure the schools will cancel. They cancel for everything these days. So. Uh, you know what? The BCTF will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a day off. We'll take the next day off. Too. <laughs> Ooh, four-day weekend. <laughs> Again. It's amazing. Um, okay. I do want to ask this of the parents out there. Uh, how many of your kids' classrooms have uh, said that they're going to either do something for the game or watch a game? My ne- I found out my nephew's classes. They're going to watch the game? They're going to watch a game. Oh, they're all, awesome. They've all been told to dress in red, and they're going to watch the game. And I'm like, oh, that's great. right? Mm-hmm. Like, it is... It's good that uh, this is being celebrated m- more profoundly than I thought it would be. To be honest, yeah. I didn't know what it would be like, right? Because the time the time zone change is really difficult. I wasn't sure how many people picked up on this m- majestical run that they went on through Concacaf qualifying. Yeah. That's but, what I'd be like as a teacher. We'd have Thursday off for NFL too. <laughs> <laughs> and then if the Cowboys, let me tell you about the history of the Detroit Lions, everyone. You're, you're, you're what like, do you guys work? Kids, week? If the, kids, if the Cowboys win tonight, we're taking Friday off school. <laughs> Uh, okay, we got a couple minutes left. Let's read a couple more of what we learns. Uh, do you have the clip? Okay, I want to. So Scott, who is Scottish, which works phonetically, um, he wants to write in an even more detailed dynamic of the whole UK Great Britain thing. Uh, separate teams are because the Scots don't get along with anybody, like Englishmen or Scots or Welshmen and Scots or the Japanese and Scots or Scots and other Scots. Scott then goes on to say. They ruined Scotland. Play the clip. It won't last. Brothers and sisters are natural enemies. Like Englishmen and Scots. Or Welshmen and Scots. Or Japanese and Scots. Or Scots and other Scots. Damn Scots. They ruined Scotland. Is he the most famous Scottish person ever? <laughs> is that bad if he is? Groundskeeper Willie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's their national icon. Yeah. yeah. Well, seriously. <laughs> He's on their flag. Isn't he? yeah, he <laughs> He's on their money now, too. <laughs> seriously, is there a more iconic Scottish character? Uh, Scrooge McDuck? Sean Connery? These are all either cartoons or movie characters. I'm sure there's someone and there's some old guy named Angus right now losing it at the radio. Right? It Wallace? just said Scrooge yeah. McDuck. And I'm like, Angus, calm down. Go take your bagpipes for a walk <laughs> around the block a couple times. Craig and Campbell River, what we learned, Wales and the U.S. looked pretty listless yesterday. You thought so? While our brave Lions took a pretty poor team in Iran to task, that's the sign of a team that's ready when it matters. Craig and Campbell River is a big English supporter. Hashtag, it's coming home. Yeah, the Wales and the U.S. game was actually, I I thought, uh, a pretty entertaining game because the U.S., Dominated the first half and came away with a one nil lead, yeah. and then uh, then they turned into the Canucks and they decided to just let Wales 
come at them, mm. and Wales sure did. They took Garrett, a bad penalty, just like the Canucks. Yeah, they did take a bad. I think Riley Stillman ended up fouling. Um, Riley Stillman was Walker Zimmerman. Yes, he was. And he fouled Gareth Bale, who in this instance was Jack I Eichel. Don't know. Jack, Jack Eichel. Eichel. Does sure. that work? We're really, right. pl- really grasping at straws here. Um, okay, we got to go. Tomorrow's a big day. What can I say? We've been talking about this for the better part of a month. Tomorrow is the day, not just where Canada makes its return to the World Cup for the first time in 36 years, but we are going to be at a watch party, Hollywood Theater on Broadway. We're also going to be doing a one-hour live pre-match show across the Sportsnet Radio Network. It's all tomorrow, Wednesday, November 23rd. I've been waiting for this for a long time. I cannot believe that it's here. I think Bruff's in the same boat. I even think the dogs are in the same boat. I'm very excited. It's going to be fun, so... Uh, take a breather for now. Join us tomorrow. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He has been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.